you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't you true. Know, certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing and uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, babe, what's going on? Oh, man, we only had one game this weekend, but we got a ton to cover, so let's just jump right into it. We, Of course, we got to start, Shane. The SEC Championship, LSU, defeats Georgia 37-10. to Crown them. And if you, for anyone that missed the show on Friday with our predictions, just know Shane and I, we nailed this one. It played out exactly how we said it. <laughs> If you listen to the show, you know you know I'm lying my ass off here. I did not see it going this way, Shane. I thought Georgia really matched up well with LSU, even given the question marks. But uh, and I even liked the way Georgia came out of this game, came out mm-hmm. firing. Uh, but it just you know it was a bad sign early on when you got you know you got open guys and they're dropping the ball, and then you got guys breaking open and Jake Fromm's missing them. And it was just. When you're going into a game as an underdog, you need everything to go right. Stubbing your toe right out of the gate, it was just it just signaled doom to me for Georgia. And then of course LSU, the machine, we kind of doubted it. Hell, LSU did they only scored 37 only against <laughs> the, <laughs> the nation's best defense here. They could have scored 50 if not for a couple yeah. miscues. So this was just a total domination. And I've seen people, you know, calling out Georgia. I noted on Twitter that at, at LSU beat a very solid Georgia team here, and people are like, what the hell? This team's garbage. There's people out on Kirby. They're out on James Coley. I don't want to hear any of that. I still think Georgia's a good team, but I just think LSU is that damn good, and they're going into the college football playoff with all of the momentum. They've got to be the favorites to win the whole damn thing. Uh, yeah, they should be, man. I mean, there's there should be no question when these rank – had the rankings come out yet? Yeah, we'll get to that, but yeah, oh, okay. LSU number one, no, okay. doubt, no doubt in my mind, no doubt in anyone's yeah. mind, I would think, outside of Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is just, I mean, dude, I've never felt so bad about a about a bet in my life than that first series, you know, it's just like, <laughs> what the hell was I thinking, you know, I, I, kept, I kept convincing myself that 
it was a fluke. You know, this whole season is just, you know, they've gotten lucky and, you know, they've gotten hot at the right time. And, you know, they've never faced a team like Georgia, man, with this amazing defense. I was so pumped up. You know, defense wins championships unless it's the SEC championship because (laughs) it didn't matter, man. I'm telling you, LSU was firing on all cylinders. Uh, I mean, even Kirby changed. I mean, he comes out later and talks about how we knew we had to score points, you know. So he went into this game thinking that they're not going to be able to play Georgia ball. And and I I didn't like that. I think they got a a little too far away from what got them there. You know, it'd be one thing if you were practicing this explosive offense, but you weren't. You waited till the SEC championship to do it. So. Ah, uh, man, LSU had the number, and they, I mean, it seems like they could apply pressure at any moment. Like you said, I, it wouldn't have surprised me if they scored 50 points in this game. I think they kind of took it easy on them there toward the end. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, after the game, Kirby Smart hit on the fact that uh, DeAndre Swift practiced all week. He was fine, but uh, there's you can't convince me of that, Shane. He did not. I didn't see him run up the middle one time in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, every time he got the ball was kind of out on the edge or having him you know, test LSU's defense on the perimeter and uh, because of just using his speed. And if it wasn't there, getting out of bounds. I mean, he finished the game with two carries for 13 yards. Now he did have three catches for 18, so he was utilized a little bit. But he was clearly not 100%. That was a game changer. And But like I said, not to make any excuses because – you know, what's been the big question mark the last, maybe not recently, but uh, leading up maybe to November was LSU's defense. And we give, you know, Joe Burrow, the Clydesdale, all these receivers, all the credit in the world because they deserve it. But I think the defense is rounding into form at the perfect time. I know Georgia didn't play you know, a really great offensive game by any means, but you got to credit LSU's defense, particularly Derek Stingley coming along, Shane. I mean, He's making key interceptions. When he had that interception at the tail end of the first half, right before halftime, Georgia was driving. Had Georgia scored a touchdown there, I believe it would have been a seven-point game at halftime. I mean, that was a backbreaker. Derek yeah. Stingley coming up with that. And then late in the game, Georgia, I don't I don't want to say they were really they weren't really testing LSU this late in the game, but they had a chance to kind of close the gap, and it was Stingley that made the big pass breakup in the end zone, and then Rodrigo, who missed the two field goals. He missed the field goal right after that. That was backbreaking. The following play after, that was when Joe Burrow did his damn magic trick where he made you know, the <laughs> Georgia defenders miss several times in the pocket, and he just launches one deep to, I believe it was Jefferson, who went down about mm-hmm. 70 yards down the field. That was the end of the game right there. And, you know, we got to gotta credit. We'll get into Kirby's comments here, but – you know, that was the perfect play call, he said, by the Bulldogs. I mean, that's how you design it. Six guys coming, and there's just no way to account for a guy like Joe Burrow making two defenders, one of them missed twice on a single play. You're just not seeing that every Saturday. You're only seeing that if you're going up against a guy like a Joe Burrow, and he's just been the ultimate difference maker this season. No, absolutely, dude. And I think you're right with the defense. It just – they got healthy at the right time. You know, they were really banged up to start of the season and kind of limped through this thing. And, and you could kind of say the same thing about Georgia on the opposite spectrum, man. You know, they, they, they barely got to this SEC championship, you know, without being just completely demolished as far as skills. And, um, and I think that really was exposed here late in the game. Yeah, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, that was just, 
I'm left shaking my head a little bit here. Let me ask you, I mean, we can take a deep dive on Georgia more here in a minute, but do you think they have to make some big-time changes in the offseason on their offense? Or do you think it's more of just the fact that they were down so many receivers, they were down, you know, an injured Swift? I thought even Jake Fromm looked like he was playing banged up. I know he, he got taken out of the game at one point after a big hit by Grant Delpit, but... Is there, I don't want to say cause for panic. I mean, this team just won 11 damn games. It's not like they're, you know, driving off a cliff here or anything. But can Georgia win the SEC? Can they win a national championship with this style offense? Or do they need to make a change like Nick Saban did a few years ago? Like Ed Orgeron has done this this past offseason. Do you think Georgia has to do that to win it all? Yeah, I think this is going to be a coaching situation, you know. Um, You know, Kirby comes out and talks about how they kind of changed their identity in this game because they knew they had to score points to keep up. Well, you know, what do you think is going to happen next year? You know, LSU ain't slowing down. They've got – you know, two of the best receivers in the in the country committing to them. They got the best tight end in the country committing to them. You know, it's these guys are just loading up on offense. You could go to Alabama, same thing. When you look at Baker and Smith, it's just or um, not Smith, but Bale. You know, they just they just keep loading up on the outside. And if Georgia doesn't do something, they're not going to be able to keep up if it does get in any type of shootout. Yeah, you may have the best running game in the, in the country, but we see where that got you, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we keep hitting on it, Shane. Let's just jump to Kirby Smart here after the game, talking about that Georgia offense, if it needs a little bit of a shakeup. On Joe Burrow, that wild play where he said Georgia called the perfect call, but, you know, Joe Burrow beats it. On uh, you know That was another issue, not getting enough pressure on Joe Burrow. The first touchdown, I think it was, it was the first or maybe it was the second touchdown of the game. He had about 10 seconds in the pocket, just picked apart <laughs> the defense. Kirby gives his thoughts on that. And then uh, on LSU's outstanding offense, he really goes in on LSU and everything they have to work with here. Uh, Kirby, notwithstanding the player losses and injuries that you had this year, what is this game and sort of a microcosm of the season, what does it tell you in terms of uh, offensive philosophy and whether you have to go in a different direction after this season? Uh, be honest with you, I thought that we had a – I mean, we didn't come out with a mentality of running the ball down your throat today. I, if you if you thought that we tried to do that, that probably wasn't a good view on the game. We thought we had to score points to win the game. And, um, you know, you, you have an offense that's built around the players you have. So you take the players you have and you use their strengths. Well, with the players we have, we have certain strengths. We have we usually have good pass protection. We have a good you know offensive line. We've got good backs, um, but our ability to run the ball has not been consistent this year. And people can say, well, Coach Smart wants to play man ball. Coach Smart wants to win, and we threw the ball 42 times. Now you can say it was because we were behind, but we threw the ball early in the game, and we had some drops, we had some misses, and it's not a matter of what is your offensive philosophy, it is what is the best way to win the game. And I honestly think, Jeff, that's what we're trying to do. Pretty much in this ball game, going into that third quarter, was that 70-yard pass that uh, uh, that was thrown, was that the, kind of the backbreaker in this game? Yeah, there were there were several. That, that one was frustrating because we thought we had a really good call on. We had a pressure and we had a guy come sky free. He missed him, and then I think we missed him again maybe on that same play. And, uh, you know, hey, I thought that was the perfect call 
by our defense coordinator, and they made a better play than we did a call. And sometimes players do that. And you learn in coaching that uh, good players make big-time plays, and that was an incredible play by Joe Burrow. We, we, we brought, brought six people. You know, when you bring six people, you, you expect to, to get home. And uh, he, made a, he made a hell of a play. I give Joe Burrow a lot of credit, man. He is a phenomenal player. Kirby, just so I understand, but it looked like early in the game there you guys were only bringing two or three. And, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but it, just the defensive philosophy early in the game, it looked like Burrow had just tons of time out there. Yeah, we had a three-man, a four-man, a five-man, and a six-man rush, and we try to change those things up. You know, you do a lot of studies going into the game of ways to get incompletions because you're basically fighting for incompletions on them. And uh, we got we got pressure at the time. We didn't finish. When we had the three-man rush, a lot of times he was able to hold the ball, but we had a lot of guys covered, and you're fighting. We got him to third and long on the, that opening drive and didn't get off the field, then they end up converting to a, a touchdown. So I give him a lot of credit. But, yeah, we did. We three-man, four-man, five-man rush. We played seven DBs. We, we had a lot of different looks. Kirby, what's the biggest thing about LSU's offense that just kind of took the SEC by storm this year? Is it the quarterback, the play calling, the running back, the combination of all of it? What, what can you put your finger on? Yeah, that's a great question. I, first of all, I got, I've been in this league for a long time, and I don't know that I've seen the combination of things they've got. Okay, they've got an elite quarterback that's a really good athlete. All right, they have a back that is a matchup guy. He can match up on anybody and go win. They've got really good wideouts, and they've got experience at the offensive line. So they go tempo, but they don't go tempo to just run the ball. They go tempo and take shots. They never change personnel. They play 28 consecutive snaps with the same people on the field. So it does not allow you to substitute in the pattern that you want to. So there's a combination of a lot of things, and it is scheme-oriented, but it's a lot more than scheme. I mean, they have plays that they've run all year that we've run all year. Our plays haven't looked like their plays because a lot of times we may not have the same guys doing those plays. And they got a great group of wideouts combined with an extremely athletic quarterback, and it's hit at the right time. So I, I got a lot of respect for what they're doing and who they're doing it with. They're hard, they're hard to defend. Got one final question here with Andy in the front row. Going to that answer in the, in the offensive philosophy one. So Joe Burrow's numbers last year were pretty much identical to what Jake's were this year, and, and Jake's were better the first two years. So he didn't become a different person, but clearly something changed. Do, do you feel like you're getting the most out of the talent you have, or do you think it's a, a recruiting issue that, that you need – like they have, you said they have the same guys, but they're doing all this stuff. Yeah. Well, first off, I would say what you just said. You said the first two years, Jake's were, numbers were better. Right. All right. So the indicator of that was four wide receivers who were on our sideline that were drafted that are playing in the NFL. Okay. So right now, I don't know if we have four wide receivers that are going to be playing in the NFL at this time next year. And the loss of those wideouts, the vertical threat, has probably hurt our team. Now, that's my responsibility, right, to replace them. That's my responsibility to replace them in recruiting. And we probably haven't done a good enough job of that. Now, we had two or three out different games in the year. So we've not had a consistent group out there. We went out and got a grad school transfer that we thought would help. So a lot of those things fall on it. People can point at Jake. They can point at Coley. They can point at me. I, I, I understand all that. But at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about what can we do to win each game individually. So, there's, like I said, there's a lot of plays that they run that we run. You go watch the tape closely, they run the exact same play we do. What's the difference right now? They're having more success with it. they got guys that are getting open one-on-one -on -one and catching the ball. I don't know how many drops we had tonight, but I feel like we had to have had five or six that you could say 
should have probably been caught. And we would have been more explosive if that was the case. And I don't mean that in disrespect. I just, he, when we had really good wideouts, we were more explosive. And right now, I don't know that we have that. One's on the bench at halftime, I mean, the first half. One is on a wheelchair over there. And then two or three are in the NFL that came out early. I mean, that's just tough. All right, Shane. So after the game here on Sunday, a lot of people, you know, saw these comments here. The tail end of that clip there, Kirby Smart kind of calling out his receivers, I guess you could say. Some people have taken it that way. I, it's easy to see it that way. I mean, he's, he's basically saying, hell, we lost all these guys in the NFL. What, mm -hmm. do you want, what do you want from me? You know, <laughs> uh, thoughts on his comments there. I mean, is that is that the right time to make those comments? Do you agree with what he's saying? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted. He's saying, well, look, at, they're calling the same thing we are. They just got to, you know, they're executing at a high level because when I see Georgia and I see LSU – uh, I'm not seeing the same thing on. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not an expert like Kirby, but uh, I'm not seeing anything that's resembling one another. No, and this was not the right place. This was not the right time. And I think if he had 24 hours to think about it, he wouldn't have said these comments. You know, this is stuff. You know, this is stuff you and I say at a bar. You know, just like, well, you know, if dude didn't get hurt. You know what I'm saying? It's just. <laughs> That's 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 where the place is, you know. You you don't. It kind of felt to me like there was a little bit of blaming, man. And you you never you never blame the kids. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if it was their fault. You're the head coach of this program. You don't come out here and blame your wide receivers that they're the reason that you aren't able to win this ball game. You know that where they dealt some rough cards was you know cage your hurt and uh, what's his name going down? Absolutely, but. You know, not being able to play a half, those 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 are some rough cards. We all know that may hinder your offense, but you can't come out on national TV and, and, and blame any of the kids for not being able to compete. Or, you know, I know he's trying to take up for his quarterback, but in doing so, he's, he's discrediting all the hard work those other boys put in to play. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this before, Shane. I mean, last SEC championship after the horrible uh, Justin Fields fake pump play i hate to bring that up for georgia fans but kirby had some critical comments basically said you know it would have worked it just was not executed properly and i don't want to just put it all on kirby because if you recall last year shane lsu remember how much hype there was in that alabama game and they got you know whipped up front mm -hmm. it was coach o after the game who kind of called out his lineman and just said you know we're losing there and if if they can't get it done I'll, we'll bring in guys that can so this is not the first time a coach has made comments like this. I'm not saying, you know, it's the end of the world, but right. some, sometimes, hell, I think LSU's linemen took that to heart and they got better this offseason. Joe Burrow sp speaks on that here in a moment. But uh, so there's a way that uh, these comments can be a positive too. It, I think it really depends on how the Georgia locker room uh, listens to this and, and responds to it. So I, while it does look bad, I think, on Kirby after this game, it may not be the end of the world down there in that locker room. All right, Shane, so let's kick it over to the other side here. Let's jump uh, over to Coach O after the game, who he got the game ball from Joe Burrow. I'll talk about that in just a minute here. But Coach O on Derek Stingley, his outstanding freshman cornerback, and then on Joe Burrow, he kind of takes a little memory lane here on uh, his quarterback winning over the LSU locker room. Ed, you come off the field and, and give Derek a hug. What did you want to convey to him in that moment? So proud of him, man. I see Derek work. Uh, you know, you can go in the off season and you can go in the indoor arena on Saturday and Sunday, and him and his daddy are working every Saturday and Sunday. The guy's a tireless worker. 
Uh, Derek's a very humble young man. Uh, he came ready to go when we had him. His daddy did a good job of coaching him. Uh, he's one of the finest corners I've ever been around. And, uh, you know, he's a competitor. And uh, But, again, I'll tell you, these two guys are team players. Team comes first with them. In case anybody forgets, Derek's a true freshman. In case anybody forgets that. I forget it a lot. Joel seems like quite a mild-mannered guy. <laughs> How does he become such a leader on the field? Talk to us about he that. He leads by example. I remember his first day coming here. We were running one tens. I don't know how many it was, maybe 16, and uh, he won every one. And then the next day he did it again, and then the next day he did it again. And uh, he kept his mouth shut and worked hard, and eventually he took over this football team. And uh, this is his team. Um, and the reason it's his team because he earned their respect. And uh, I got to give it to Joe. Joe's quiet. Uh, doesn't say much. Uh, he leads by his actions, but every once in a while he'll say something when things are not going uh, going right, and that's the mark of a true leader. But he, he does it on the field. He backs it up. Our whole team, everybody in the organization, believes in him. All right, Shane. So we all knew the hype around Derek Stingley entering this season, but there was times I thought, particularly in that Alabama game, at times in that Florida game where he got kind of picked on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now he's still making big plays. He made the probably the key game of that Florida game, the interception in the end zone. So, you know, teams have been challenging him, and he's been answering the call. He made the big play against Auburn. I don't know if you saw it leading up to the game, Shane, but, you know, Gus Malzahn, he was working with CBS during the pregame, and they asked him, you know, word of advice, what would you tell Georgia? Did you catch what he, the advice he gave to the Bulldogs? Uh-uh. No. He said, stay away from that 24. Stay away from Derek Stingley. <laughs> we tested him. He burned us, and that was the difference in the game. And Georgia did not take that advice because they tested him throughout this game and Stingley came up big. Uh, I could not be more impressed with – I think this is the most impressive freshman defensive back that I can ever recall playing at the SEC level. No, I'm with you, man. Uh, just, you know, and it's crazy as much as you want to give – I mean, Joe Joe was amazing. The offense was amazing. But I'm telling you, man, this defense brought it. And, you know, as much as I I pumped up Georgia defense at the end of this game, I wasn't looking at how impressive Georgia's defense was. I was looking at this, you know, it felt like unsung hero here out here, you know, and and I think it all started when you were able to lock down one side of the ball with Stingley. I mean, every time it went that way, you kind of held your breath because you're afraid he was going to come up with a pick. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, after this game, Shane, it was it's interesting. We only played those short clips from Coach O. He didn't have a ton to say because the biggest star after this one, everyone was, hell, they should have just gave him the Heisman Trophy after this game, Shane. Joe Burrow, damn near every question in the post-game presser was directed to Joe Burrow. So we got mm-hmm. a little bit uh, longer quotes here from Joe Burrow, but I, you know this is his moment to shine as the, the biggest spotlight yet for him. And once again, he delivered in the clutch. Nearly 350 yards passing, four touchdowns. Joe Burrow on his Heisman moment there, that uh, breakaway play that led to the 70-something yard pass on Georgia, how they tried to attack him, and then if he wants to see Ohio State. And then he also commented on Derek Stingley here. Uh, he's He's got nothing but respect for this freshman. Joe, on that 71-yard pass to Justin, how much of that was planned? How much was improvised? Take us through that play. Uh, it was all improvised. Justin ran a uh, six-yard hitch route and saw me scrambling and just took off deep. And, you know, we got a great feel for each other. I knew exactly where he was going to be when I got out of there. Jody, just the scrambles in general tonight, was that 
a big part of the game plan going in. And, and on that first touchdown, did it seem like you had never had so long to, to throw in your time playing quarterback? Yeah, so they, they came out in a defense with kind of what Auburn played against us a little bit, and we didn't expect that out of Georgia at all. And so we kind of had to feel our way out um, a little bit. And, you know, they're spying me rushing three, and so I could – my own line did a great job of giving me time in that three-man rush, and our receivers found ways to get open. This offensive line was much maligned last year. That first drive that you guys had, it seemed like you had about 10 seconds to throw on that touchdown to Jamar Chase. First guy I saw you point to was left tackle Sadiq Charles. Could you speak to this group and how you felt like they performed today against Georgia? I mean, they were, they were unreal. They've been unreal all year. And they're one of the most improved groups I've ever been around. And they, they took that, that criticism to heart from last year. And, you know, I, like I said, they were, they were three-man rushing us in the, in the first half. And I told them, hey, I'm going to have to sit back there and, and find some open guys because they're going to have eight people in coverage. And they gave me as much time as I wanted back there. They're, I think they're the best group in the country. Uh, Joe, um, one of your friends, uh, former Ohio State quarterback uh, Troy Smith, said uh, in a recent interview, he said you were really uh, chomping at the bit to play Ohio State this year. Uh, any, any, uh, you, would you care to speak on that? Uh, look, I'll, we'll play anybody anywhere. We, I said in the post game, you know, you can take us to Canada. We'll play on a gravel lot. It doesn't matter where or who we who we play. Uh, Joe, you talked earlier about you, you can forget that Derek's a freshman. I'm wondering, when, sometimes when you get a, a top-rated recruit like that, they, they come in with attitude. They, they think they're just going to do what they did in high school. What, but obviously he didn't take that approach since he started all season. What did you see from him when he first came in that, that kind of told you he's going to be good? You know, Derek's as humble as a, of a guy as I've seen. You know, like you said, number one recruits, top ten recruits, you don't see that. And... You see time and time again, they come in and they're all cocky and loud and Derek didn't say a word for three months. And, you know, I, in practice, I would go out of my way to throw Derek's way to see if he was, you know, as good as everyone said he was. I, and I can tell you, yes, he is. Yes, he is. This question is honestly for any of you guys, but I'm wondering, over the course of the season, how would you assess how your team has grown and come together? It's never easy to win a conference, and it's never easy to get to the playoff, but you guys have done both of those undefeated. How would you say you've grown from day one to now? You got it, Joe. <laughs> you know, I think it really started last year. We had a lot of people coming back. We lost three starters, I think. And, you know, we were young on offense last year. And I think towards the end of the year, you saw us kind of starting to gel. And, you know, when I first got here, I felt like it was kind of you had the offense and you had the defense. And now you have LSU. And that, that really started middle of last year. We started really gelling as a team. And this is as, uh, as close as I've ever been to anybody. All right, Shane. So I think this is, uh, you know, this is the leadership you want to see from a guy like Joe Burrow. I mean, this is his moment where, you know, what could he say that you could, I mean, he could literally say whatever the hell he wants. I mean, he's just mm -hmm. been dominating. He's not even had a bad game yet. Right. And he's about to win the Heisman. Everyone's singing his praises. Now with two out, he's probably going to be the first quarterback taken, maybe even the first overall player taken. But I'm not seeing anything that says that Joe Burrow is – I know he's got like that confidence, borderline cocky to him. But, I mean, at, at no point am I seeing a kid here who is thinking that, uh, you know, he's doing this by himself. It's 
basically just like Coach O. It's like he's taking on the personality of Coach O. It's all about the rest of the team. Yeah, I loved I loved what he said. You know, when he came in last year, it was offense and versus defense. You know, and they really gelled together as a team. Going in, I mean, and that's if you remember last year, they 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 were struggling, dude. This locker room was divided. They had the player players only meeting, and mm-hmm. and I'm sure he was a big part of that. And you see what's come out of it. You know, these these guys put the rest of the country on their back. You know, all the naysayers saying that they it couldn't be done, and uh, they ran with it, man. And that's why they got this attitude when they come out. It's like, we'll play you anywhere. I, I swear they would, you know. That's just the, the kind of attitude that, that coaches got them pumped up and thinking about. And, uh, man, they're, they're, they're not out to win, dude. They're out to wreck people. You know what I'm saying? They're out to uh, – this kind of feels like that Miami run, you know, when it just, when they go out there, they're, they're going to hang all those points on you and, and let you know that you've not only played the best team in the nation, but your team was nowhere even, shouldn't even been in the same ballpark, you know? Mm-hmm. And after the game, Shane, Coach O tried to give the game ball to Joe Burrow, MVP of the SEC championship game. Joe Burrow gave it back to Coach O and he said, I'll take the game ball when we win the national championship. Damn. That's that confidence I was talking about. That's what they're going to need if they're going to continue on. And so we'll get down to their bowl, you know, all the bowl games here, the final rankings. We'll get to that in just a moment, Shane. But the biggest news outside of the actual field here this weekend in the SEC, we came into the weekend with three openings in the SEC, all three of them hired, Shane. Mm-hmm. Let's jump on down to Oxford where they're on the lane train, son. <laughs> Welcome you to Vaughn Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, Mississippi. This is the place to be in college football right now. The scene in the Grove, one of college football's best, where they never lose a party. And this is uh, a scene that never gets old. It just couldn't be more perfect. We've got to find a head coach that can walk into a room and, and absolutely take over that room. All right, Shane, so the Lane Train officially hired here in Oxford, Mississippi, Florida, uh, former Florida Atlantic coach, of course, former Alabama offensive coordinator, USC coach, Tennessee coach, Raiders coach. Man, such a wild reaction to this one. Thoughts on this one, Shane, where your former Tennessee coach is back in you know, I think this is a different Lane Kiffin. I think uh, I saw plenty of jokes out there, and, you know, I've made them myself. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, he got fired at the tarmac at at USC. Yeah. When he left Tennessee, it was a damn riot on campus, burning mattresses. When he left the Raiders, uh, Al Davis had a damn 45-minute presser on, on what a lion SOB <laughs> Kiffin is, you know. And I think he kind of was. I think he was all those yeah. things. I'm not going to lie, but I think – getting humbled at USC, getting humbled at Alabama. Uh, Maybe I'm just buying into his BS here, but it seems like this is a new Kiffin, and I think he's kind of paid his dues. This is, I mean, this is the route most people have to take. 
you know, to yeah. get into coaching. It's not, he kind of went it backwards. He got a damn NFL job when he was like 31 <laughs> years old. I think that kind of spoiled him a little bit, but I think now he's a little bit humbled. And, you know, I'm not saying that if he has wild success at Ole Miss, I don't think he's going to be there forever. I think he'll move on to, to another job potentially. But if you're Ole Miss and you're hiring a guy and he does well enough to leave, I think he did a hell of a job with the hire. So what what's your immediate thoughts here on the hire of Lane Kiffin in Ole Miss? I love it. <laughs> I'm glad to have him back. And as crazy as that sounds, as a Tennessee fan, you know, it was just – I don't know. He just, it's just time, you know. It's good having him around. We, it's been, you know, Alabama. Then he went down to FAU, and you just kind of forget about him. Every mm-hmm. now and then you see a, you know, a trolling tweet come from him or something. You're like, oh, yeah, he still does exist, you know. And then all of a sudden this thing lit up. And it's funny because Ole Miss, you know, they didn't mess around, you know. They, they fired Coach Luke. Mm-hmm. Six days later, they hired a coach, you know. It's like – there is no no empty seat for too long there at Ole Miss. They it almost felt like they knew exactly what they were doing. So um, and not only did they get him, Shane, they kept him away from an SEC West rival. We'll get down to Razor the Arkansas Razorbacks here in a minute, but hell, that's probably where Kiffin was going. To Ole Miss stepped up to the plate, stole him right out from under Arkansas fans, and mm-hmm. man, it's been a dark. It's been dark, dark times there in Fayetteville, and, and now it's just – I mean, that just rips your heart out even more if you really were on the Kiffin bandwagon. That's like wow, – that's one thing I don't understand. Like, Arkansas had all this time, you know, and I'm sure Kiffin wanted to finish out the season, but I guarantee if you threw enough money at him, he wouldn't have, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I, I'm sure Kiffin's changed, and he's a new man, but he ain't changed that much. Mike, when he has an opportunity to come to the SEC – and make more money, I'm sure he was going to jump on it. So somebody really drug their feet up there in Arkansas and let Ole Miss get in this thing. And Ole Miss didn't mess around. Like I said, six days, they hired, they pulled the trigger on the, you know. I, I And I always think Kiffin was a top-shelf hire, you know. And it's not that I think he's going to be – that he's God's gift to offenses or anything like that, you know. It's just – He's perfect for Ole Miss with that big name persona. You know, it's just somebody can go out there and recruit. I mean, it's not easy to recruit to Mississippi. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to have some sort of draw, and and I think Lane offers that. I just think that you know they need a big draw out there in Mississippi, and and uh, I, I think you do that with a big name coach like Lane Kiffin. I think the recruiting class. Is going to be phenomenal. I think it's going to take off. The key for him, though, I, I, I do believe, is is getting a nice support staff around him. Have you heard anything about McIntyre sticking around? Yeah, I'm glad you asked there, Shane, because I, that's what I was the point I was going to make with all these hires. They truly can't be successful unless they get the right guys around them. That's paramount, particularly at the beginning on the ground floor running. And uh, according to the Oxford Eagle. This is the this is the right first step for Kiffin, but they are going to keep defensive coordinator Mike McIntyre. I think that's huge. Now Mac, mm. uh, McIntyre is making, I think he's making like 1.2 million. He's one of the highest paid coordinators in the nation, and they have him locked up to I believe 2021. I think they got him on three year deals when when he signed. So that's a hell of a hire there if Lane Kiffin keeps him. Now he's letting go of Rich Rodriguez. That's being reported by Sports Illustrated. So that's kind of to be expected. 
I don't think Lane Kiffin and Rich Rod are really going to see eye to eye on offensive philosophy. So you don't just keep a guy to keep him. You, if it's right. if it's a good fit, it's a good fit. So the fact that uh, he's deciding to keep McIntyre, I think that just lets you know that Kiffin and Ole Miss were in discussion for quite a while. They've already ironed out these details. And then uh, two other potential hires here for Kiffin that I think would both be potentially really good hires. He's bringing his strength and conditioning coach. This is what I've heard. A guy by the name of Wilson Love, who Kiffin really likes this guy. He credits him for the development there of that FAU program. And he came with Kiffin to FAU from Alabama. So they've been together a long time. You know, he learned under uh, Scott Cochran there at Alabama. So I think that's, that's big for Ole Miss as well. And then according to Football Scoop, Kiffin is trying to hire offensive coordinator Kendall Bryles, who Ooh. was Florida State's offensive coordinator last year. Uh, Bryles was with Kiffin at FAU their first season, which I think they went like 11-1 and or 12-1 and or yeah. something like that. So if they can get a reunion and this guy's available, uh, that I think that's another hell of a hire. And there's been a lot of uh, smoke that Kiffin is going to assemble a really elite staff here at uh, in Oxford. So – like I said, that's paramount to his success, and it's early. He's going to be officially announced here on Monday. I hope he'll kind of get into some of these coaching hires then. He he may not have it finalized at that time, but hopefully he does. But uh, I'm really interested to see the staff he assembles here. Mm. Can't wait for that first presser. Is Katie, is Katie Perry going to be there? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, Shade, uh, his final presser here at FAU, I just wanted to include this little clip here. And, uh, you know, Kiffin didn't have to say any of this stuff, but uh, he really went out of his way to thank Nick Saban for, you know, kind of help mentoring him. And we kind of hit on this on our last show about uh, where Kiffin was in his career. I mean, he was basically unhirable, not only as a head coach, but as a somewhere like Alabama offensive coordinator. I mean, people thought that was a damn crazy move by Saban. It was a damn uh-huh. genius move. And uh, Lane Kiffin kind of went out of his way here to thank Saban and, I think it just kind of goes – this just goes to show the maturity that Kiffin has seen in, in recent seasons. I'm very grateful for my time there. Learned a ton from Coach, obviously, and and I wouldn't be here today without Coach Saban, and so we wouldn't be having other discussions, you know, that are going on without Coach Saban, so very grateful to him. It does feel different, and like I said, it's awesome to see the kids and the way they sing the fight song. I feel like sometimes when you're up there, you know, you know, in Alabama, it's kind of like, all right, they're singing the fight song. All right, how fast can we get out of here? We want another championship. You know, where am I going to get drafted? And um, these kids are special. They, they call themselves Band of Brothers, which I can see they really are. One thing to go to a place that's won a bunch and you continue that, it's another thing to really build something. And, you know, I've kind of always compared it to a house. You know, you can, you can go buy a really nice house. There's a difference if you build that house and how you feel about that house. And, and that's really how I feel about this team. Um, Special coaches, special people, special leadership, and it's an awesome house. All right, Shane, I just thought that was kind of an important note because obviously they're going to be going head-to-head now there in the mm-hmm. SEC West, so I don't think it's going to be you know any bad blood there. I think, honestly, I mean, Saban's probably n- not happy to see Kiffin, but I don't <laughs> think it's going to be any kind of, like I said, any kind of bad blood there. But right before we hopped on the show, Shane, we wanted to discuss these three hires and. You know, the truth of the matter is we can come up with 
unlimited reasons why these hires will work or why they'll fail. And nobody really knows. I mean, you could hire, you could look at a guy like Jim Harbaugh. Who would have thought after, what's he been there, like four or five years, he's never even won the damn division. Uh I mean, who could have seen that coming? So it's very, it's almost impossible to tell whether these are going to succeed or fail. But I just thought, you know, the fans would appreciate us looking at each of these hires. We'll start with Kiffin and discuss reasons why it'll work at Ole Miss and reasons why it won't. Uh, So we can go as in-depth as you want on these, but I'll start, Shane. I think the thing, kind of like you hit on, you know, last weekend, Ole Miss really likes a big name. They like a swaggy, confident-type coach. And Lane Kiffin, with his offensive system, combined with John Rice Plumley, this wide-open, you know, throwing and running type, particularly if it's Kendall Bryles. I mean, that's something they really ran at FAU. Man, I just think that uh, you know, Ole Miss really wanted an exciting coach, someone that's going to sell tickets, someone that's going to re-energize the fan base. Yeah, I think number one, that's what Kiffin does, and he's got such a strong track record of developing players into NFL prospects. I think, uh, like you said, this could potentially be a home run hire. If I'm Ole Miss, I'm pretty fired up about it. Now, on the other side, why it could fail I think Kiffin's a little bit overrated as maybe in all all areas because he's a fun guy because he's always out there tweeting um, mm-hmm. I mean we want this guy to succeed because uh, he, he just you know he's he's comedy he's gold he's, he's content gold right. I guess to say but I don't know that he's uh, really that elite of a recruiter now he's been at some elite places that attracts elite talent and I'm not saying Ole Miss doesn't because hell they were Pulled in some some outstanding classes under Hugh Freeze. Now we all know we all know why. But uh, can Kiffin navigate those waters and and get elite talent to Ole Miss, or is he going to be losing these battles to you know Georgia, Alabama, LSU, on and on and on? Uh, Ole Miss is a that's a tough place to recruit to if you're talking if you want to match LSU, if you want to match right. Alabama. So I'm not 100% sold on that. Until he goes a long time without getting on sanctions, I still think that cloud is hanging over his head where even if he does have you know crazy success, maybe he lands a five-star quarterback, the NCAA is going to come around again, whether he's doing something right you know, wrong or not. They're going to investigate it, would be my belief. So I don't know. I think that is going to stay with him until he proves – uh, you know that he can stay clean for a little bit longer. Yeah, I'm with you. So I think I think the good part is, like you said, it's just splash hire. You know, you people are talking about Ole Miss. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the last time we were talking about Ole Miss was the was the the kid peeing on the football. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was it was the, the they didn't make a bowl game. You know, and if you were to poll everybody in the SEC on who the head coach for Ole Miss was, you're going to be surprised, but most of them had no idea it was Coach Luke. You know, he's <laughs> right. just, you know, they, they couldn't, they didn't know his name. They didn't know his his scheme. They, they didn't know anything about him. I think he's a great guy, and I, I think they gave up a little too early on him. But 
it's hard to pass up on old Lane Kiffin because, like I said, <laughs> people are talking about you again, you know, and that's what you need. You need to be fun, man. You need to, you need to be, uh, you know, something that you're talking about where he's just, you know, he's Twitter trolling and, and you know, make Ole Miss a fun place to be. And I think it, it'll attract recruiting. And so that's why I think, uh, it's going to be a great hire because I just think immediately you're going to have an uptick in in, in recruiting, uh, mm-hmm. without a doubt. People are going to want to play with you. Now, the bad part that I see is how long is he going to be there? You know, can is this something you can really build around? Uh, I'm not. I mean, Lane's. It's got a proven track record of not sticking around too long. You know, he did it with mm-hmm. Tennessee when the dream job come open. He did it with, uh, you know, USC didn't work out. FAU, you know, they tried to sign him for a nine-year contract, but he's out after a few, you know. He, he's, a, he's a bit of a nomad. So what I would hate to see is Ole Miss kind of do what Mississippi State did with Dan and build up a resume only to take another job. That's <laughs> – I'm not saying Ole Miss is a stepping stone by no means. Ole Miss is a great gig, and I guarantee there's a there's a ton of coaches out there that love to retire as an Ole Miss football coach. However, I don't think Lane's that guy. I mean, if Alabama job comes open and he t- completely turns around Ole Miss and they give him the opportunity, you think he won't take the Bama job? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's my only concern. And I know we're we're getting the cart way in front of the horse here, but you know, it's still a win-win situation. If Lane does well enough to to attract other opportunities, you know, then that means your ball club's doing pretty good, you know. So, but that I, I think that would be the one red flag I see with Kiffin. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, so let's jump on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! The biggest, I think the shocking hire in the <laughs> SEC, Sam Pittman, offensive line coach there for Georgia Bulldogs. Now, granted, this is the best offensive line coach, in my opinion, in the nation. The best recruiter of linemen in the nation. Maybe the best recruiter outside of a couple, you know, head coaches. In the nation, I'm not, and I got nothing as bad about Sam Pittman, but I'll let you in on a, <laughs> a little behind the scenes here, Shane. Uh, you know, because I told you on our little text thread here, but I knew this. I knew this hire was coming about you know two hours before anyone caught wind of it, and I told you. And but the person that reached out and, and informed me of this, Shane. Here's, here's what I said. I said, how in the hell is Arkansas going to hire an offensive line coach when they don't even have a head coach? And this guy got back to me and said, no, they're hiring him as the head coach. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so this one came completely, I don't want to say completely out of left field because there was rumblings when this job first came open that Sam Pittman, I, I think we even talked about it here, didn't we? Sam mm-hmm. Pittman an option for the job. My only issue is if this was your guy, you should have hired him two weeks ago. Like that you, you just wasted so much valuable recruiting time. That's not the end of the world. If this is a home run hire, it's a home run hire. It doesn't really matter when you make it, but we got about a week left to hammer down some recruiting. I am guaranteed Sam Pittman's already on the recruiting trail. He's that good of a coach. Looking at this way, Shane, uh, Georgia's got one of the top recruiting classes in the nation. Four of their top nine recruits are offensive linemen 
and they're all like top 150 prospects. So that's just an idea. We already know the the beast offensive line that uh, Georgia has right now. They're they're restocking the shelves right now thanks to Sam Pittman. But what's your reaction to this one, Shane? Sam Pittman, offensive line coach, never been a head coach. He's been all over the SEC. Arkansas, he was there. He, mm-hmm. Hell, when he left Arkansas, that was the decline of their damn program. That was the end of Bielema. That was the end of the direction of where they are now. Yeah. Uh, he's been at Tennessee. He's been – obviously, Georgia's been all over. But uh, thoughts on Sam Pittman as new, the new head coach here of the Arkansas Razorbacks? I'm a little worried, Mike. You know, I mean, he's he's dabbled in assistant head coaching before, but he's never just had a entire program since community college. You know, so that, that worries me tremendously. I mean, he's been around enough great organizations – to obviously learn the ropes. Uh, Sam is, out of all these coaches, the one I'd probably want to hang out with the most. You know, it <laughs> seems like he'd be uh, – you want to talk about fun? I guarantee he'd have a blast with Sam, which kind of, you know, I don't know. He just kind – he's one of those persons that is infectious and you want to be around. And I think that's why he's such a great recruiter. But I think that will also assist him in – uh, you know, getting some staff there with him, you know, and, and I, I fully expect for him to go after some seasoned vets, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he'd be crazy not to. And then, uh, you know, it's just, but it does worry me because, you know, Arkansas is in a bad spot the last few years. And now you're going to have a coach that's never done it. That's going to be learning on the job. And granted, you know, there's a lot of, coordinators that that catch fire i mean we just talked about kirby you know he was he was one and uh maybe they they catch fire with with coach here but i i really you know i it really has to do a staff dude i mean it's, he's gonna have to have a hell of a support system around him and he's gonna have to have some time and some patience you know it's it's one thing to recruit offensive lineman to Georgia it's another when you're doing it to Arkansas that hasn't won an SEC game in two years you know mm-hmm. yeah and though the only name I'm hearing so far Shane is a potential assistant I think this would be a hell of a hire if they could get him Barry nope. Barry Odom defensive oh. coordinator so uh, I heard Cheney did you hear that one no I mean they're tight I certainly yeah. think Pittman will probably make that call I certainly think he will now can he get you got to think. I, th- I believe uh, Cheney is the highest paid coordinator in the entire <laughs> nation. So I right. mean, Arkansas is probably going to have to – can they do that? I, I mean, I'm sure they can afford it. But uh, the offensive coordinator will be crucial. Obviously, the defensive coordinator, I think, is even bigger here because he needs someone to you know really take control of that thing. But that's the only name that I'm hearing thus far, Barry Odom. If they can get him, I think Odom is even going to get some interest here for head coaching jobs. So may have to fight there. If, if you're talking head coach or defensive coordinator, most coaches who particularly who just were a head coach, probably going to go back to being a head coach. So that may yeah. be the biggest op- obstacle there for Arkansas. But, you know, my thing with this hire, Shane, I kind of like what you said. It's got to be about the staff. This seems to be the Ed Orgeron, Dabo Sweeney, route that that Arkansas has taken and I don't think that's a bad route because right. we've seen the success those teams are having uh, you know we I know Coach O was a head coach before at Ole Miss but I mean this is I don't really want to compare Sam Pittman to, to Coach Ogeron because they're so different but I'm a little scared that this could be 
the first go around with Coach O as opposed to the LSU one. Now, Sam Pittman's been around the block so many times. You, I really don't think, uh, you know, I'm sure this was a very calculated decision, one that uh, he's he's going to do his, his damnedest to, I mean, this may be the only shot he's ever got to get a head coach. So I'm, yeah. I'm not saying he's going to get wild with it like Coach O or anything, but there's just so much questions to be answered here. And that's my thing with why this could go wrong, Shane. I've said it before on this podcast, and people always point out to, well, yeah, look at Lincoln Riley. Look at Kirby Smart. I mean, there's always examples <laughs> of guys that were not head coaches that are successful now, but yeah. you're pointing about five guys out of about 200. Because particularly in the SEC, we're talking about, you know, we, we've hit on it before on the previous show, how much money these schools are making per year. We're talking – you know, hundreds of millions of dollars potentially if you're successful like Alabama. And then we're talking, you know, the bottom of the barrel if you're Vanderbilt. So there is mm-hmm. just so much at stake. Not the entire university, but basically the entire athletic department at times can rely on the success of your football team. Can you really hand that over to someone that's never done it before? You have no idea whether he can handle that. Obviously, Arkansas has chosen to do that. Teams like Tennessee have done it with Pruitt. So I'm not saying it's unprecedented, but I'm just saying I would personally never do that. And I, there's plenty of examples. I'm wrong, but I'm just saying this is such a risk. That's my biggest thing for why it could go wrong. But again, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be De- Debbie Downer here. I'll, I'll tell you why this could really work, Shane. Like you said, Sam Pittman, my God, such an elite recruiter. And he's, yeah. he's done it at Arkansas, so he he will do it again. He's been around long enough. He's got so many connections in the in the coaching world. I think he's going to hire a hell of a staff. I think this is the right approach. So remember when Bielema went in there, and he kind of tried to do it the Alabama-LSU way, and it just never worked because Arkansas, you're just not going to beat Alabama and LSU playing their game. Right. And now things have kind of changed at those universities where they're spread and they're up-tempo. I'm wondering if now you – hell, if Bielema got hired today <laughs> – I know it's Pittman, <laughs> but that style may actually work a lot better now for Arkansas. And I think Sam Pittman – not that he's necessarily going to go to the Bielema route, but, I mean, clearly his teams are going to be built through offense and defensive line, physical play. Yeah, that's the opposite now of Alabama and LSU. I think that could be key. You know, it doesn't always have to be. I'm not saying they're going to go from a spread Chad Morris type offense to to like I said, Bielema style. But I just think his teams are going to be a lot tougher, a lot more physical. This is a guy that's got family in Arkansas. He's, I believe, he's from Arkansas. His, I think, his wife is there too. So, I mean, these are people that are going to want to lay their roots down, stay in Arkansas, build it back up into an sec contender and it would not stun me shane if this is if he's the damn next Dabo sweeney you know what i mean like <laughs> i think he's going to be able to to build a staff like that and i think he's going to be able to keep people around him so uh for those reasons i think sam put sam Pittman could be a sneaky good hire here for arkansas how funny sec media days next year luke morris <laughs> out you know lane sam in i mean it's just that's that's like 10 notches higher. I, I'm excited about that and <laughs> listening to these guys talk. 
But, uh, you know, one of my favorite comments, something you talked about there is uh, they said, hey, look, look at the playoffs. You know, there's three coaches in the playoffs right now that were assistants before they were the head coach at their current team. You know, so I, I just I, that's that's the positive, you know, glass half full when you're talking about Sam. But, you know, Oklahoma, Ohio State. You know, I think Clemson was more of an outlier, you know, because mm-hmm. they weren't that good before Dabo took over. But right. uh, the but Ohio State and Oklahoma, predominantly pretty good <laughs> ball clubs, you know. So I don't want to – not saying that Arkansas is, you know, not those schools, but they're not there yet, you know. Mm-hmm. When we started this Arkansas talk, yes, I told you that I got the heads up this was happening. Mm-hmm. And again, man. <laughs> Arkansas fans are they're going to think I'm hating on them here but this is 100% truth. I'm going to read you exactly the person that told me this. Also got this information for someone who spoke to Hunter Yurichich, the AD down there. Yeah. And this is what Yurichich said after he fired Chad Morris. If we can't find an established head coach to stabilize this, we are fucked. That's oh, a di- that's a direct quote from the guy that told me this hire was, and this was before anyone sniffed that this hire was coming through. So, I mean, he broke the news to me at, like I said, hours before anyone. I'm not talking about the official confirmation. I'm talking before anyone had this. So. I believe this to be a true statement here. So, so, so he, you thinking he struck out on some head coaches here? He clearly did right? because he, they waited so, so damn long to make this hire. There's no way in hell they're hiring Sam Pittman. What is it today? December eighth, right? If that was their guy all along, it's they tried to get guys like Lane Kiffin. They, yeah. There was reports they will get to Missouri in a second here, but they tried to hire the, or at least spoke to the Appalachian State coach Eli. Drinkowitz, but clearly Missouri got a, got in front of them there, and mm-hmm. Arkansas is just going down the list here. So I don't know if you if you hear that's that's just a damning statement there. And uh, clearly, I mean, you're a church. It's not like there was no options here. I mean, Sam Pittman, like I said, there's many 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 reasons to get fired up about Sam Pittman, but that is one hell of a damning comment there from someone looking for an established head coach who apparently couldn't get one that he wanted to to take the job Mm. well you know Saban wasn't Alabama's first pick either Mike you know (laughs) you know I'm saying yeah I'm just saying (laughs) all right Shade final hire here this was uh, a little bit out of left field too Missouri let's jump on down to Columbia Missouri the Tigers Shane have hired Appalachian State coach Eli Drinkwitz Mm. And this is a Gus Malzahn disciple, one year at Appalachian State. I believe this guy's only 36 years old. They went 12-1. and one. We all know how we love Appy State on this podcast. They beat <laughs> South Carolina this year. They beat North Carolina this year. Um, I mean, they had they won their division. They, they beat the hell out of, uh, who were they playing? I think they were playing Louisiana on Saturday. Won the Sun Belt Championship, and that's a good league, so... Wild fans, be careful, Mike. Tread lightly. <laughs> well, they, they've got bigger fish to fry at this point, Shane, because they don't have a coach. But uh, thoughts on this one, Shane? I, I'm a little 
you know, they said they wanted a big name here recently. I don't think Drinkowitz is a big name by any means, but he could be a solid coach here. My my reservation here is obviously he took over an Appalachian State program that was already humming under Scott Satterfield. And that's a guy, of course, that he coaches at Louisville now, and he just won ACC Coach of the Year in his first year. So this is a guy that inherited a really nice situation. Of course, it's not easy. I mean, there's been plenty of guys that have inherited a nice situation and tanked it immediately. This guy, you know, continued the success. Thoughts on this one, Shane? Do you think that, uh, again, we don't have any information on any of his coordinators or anything here, but how surprising is it that Missouri turned around and hired Eli Drinkwitz? Well, if you're a listener of this pod, this ain't the first time we talked about old Drinkwiz. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, they were, you know, when Tennessee looked at this guy for an uh, offensive coordinator spot. And, you know, I'm going to tell you what, man. I did a little research on him. And, and prior to Appy State, I was convinced that – I convinced myself that it was a good hire. You know, as I, the offense style that he runs, it's aggressive. And, you know, to kind of see him – operate this year um you know with the talent that he had was was pretty impressive so i you know i i'm kind of for this hire out of all the hires and don't get me wrong i love lane kiffin and i love sam Pittman, but i think mizzou got the better coach uh this this week and that just just from what i've seen from Drinkwitz and and the things that he's been able to do with the teams that he's been involved with i just i don't know i just feel like he's a better x and o's guy Mm -hmm. yeah this is gonna be fascinating to see shane because it is interesting it's like you said it's this is the guy with the you know the lesser known name of the three guys here but he's gonna go into a situation where you know uh, clearly, they're expecting a winner there at Missouri. That's why they got rid of Barry Odom. But I do think they're going to be a little bit patient here. This is not a fan base that's going to run this guy off if he has you know two so-so in years. I think they're going to give him his time to get it done up there. I'd be really fascinating to see who his coordinator hires are. I think he may, you know, he he may need to really hire a great defensive coordinator here for me to really buy into him, but. I think uh, if I had to, if I had to guess, I mean, I think he's going to hire some coordinators that SEC, the casual SEC fans may not be aware of. I don't think they're going to keep it in the SEC family. I think they're going to hire some some guys he's had some run-ins with uh, at his previous stops here, and mm-hmm. you know, you got to give him, uh, you know, confidence in his decision making. It's his his program. He's got to do what he's got to do. But uh, you know, I think this could be kind of somewhat of a no-name coaching staff here, and. This is going to be an interesting one where it may take us a couple of years to figure out if this is the right hire or not. You know, and let me ask you, Mike. I mean, do you think it was just they thought Odom, like they knew we've got the best out of him or something? I mean, because I'm, I'm thinking about this hire. And, you know, two months ago I wasn't saying, you know what, if we could only get Drinkwitz here, you know, if we <laughs> right, could get right. him – you know, that could be what elevates this program to the next level. It just, I, I'm not picking up that vibe. It almost feels like they struck out a few times. Maybe they thought that this job would attract different types of coaching mm-hmm. and they just weren't able to get it. And maybe they're like, just, oh, well, let's go this route and, you know, make it work. So it's it just the kind of vibe I felt from there. But, you know, it's just, this wasn't a splash hire. This wasn't, it's a, some could, would say that it's a step down because at least you knew what you had with Odom. So I don't know, man. How, how do you feel about that? 
Yeah, to be honest with you, Shane, I think the AD there, Jim Sturrock and Barry Odom, did, just did not have a great working relationship. And once there was that sign to, you know, maybe the program slipping a little bit, mm-hmm. that was enough to give Sturrock to give Odom the boot and get him his own coach. And I think you may have nailed it there because I think a guy like uh, maybe like a Mike Leach, someone of that nature, yeah. like, I think everyone thought – you know, if these schools approach him, he's he's receptive to it. But, you know, once you start hearing that speculation, then all of a sudden these guys are signing new deals. That kind of lets you know that uh, either they're eight. I, I don't believe Mike Leach has an agent, so it, it wouldn't have been agents. But I think these schools reached out and they look at the landscape and say, hell, I, you know, I've got something going on here and uh, can I get an extension out of this? And if they get an extension <laughs> out of it, they're 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 fine where they're at. And uh, yeah. I think you're right. I think Arkansas and Missouri kind of now clearly Arkansas needed to make a change because Chad Morris was got awful. But I think sometimes you think you can get a little bit more than you can, and yeah. uh, that's something that's something to keep keep in, uh, consider next time you want to fire your coach. You want uh, Sam Pittman to be your head coach? I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and they were what the last ones to to fire. You know, I just. <laughs> Yeah, that I, I don't know. Maybe you're right. I, maybe this was just they couldn't get along, and you know, it, it, who knows what's going on in the background. So, uh, but I, like I said, I, I think I think this is one of those speculative hires that you're right. I think it's going to take a season or two to to realize if we made a great decision or a horrible decision. But I think X and O's. I think he's going to be great, but I don't know about. Rec- recruiting you know he's not going to have the the lure of these other two so he's going to have to get some you know i know he probably is going to bring some folks from the outside but he it it wouldn't hurt to bring somebody that's you know deep south ties you know that that has a potential to recruit on the trails out uh down there so uh, i don't know Uh, this one i'm definitely going to keep my eyes on all right shane final coaching Note here, now this is not official, but it's being reported by several people here. South Carolina, going to name Mike Bobo, offensive Mm. coordinator. And I think this is going to be a hell of a hire if it's made. I think Bobo's still got a couple other options yet. And from what I understand, anytime there's a uh, contract of this magnitude, you know, this guy's going to make a ton of money. It's got to be approved by the board there at South Carolina. That's the main reason it's not been finalized yet. But if the Gamecocks can get this done, Shane, they're getting an offensive coordinator here, former Colorado State head coach. I know it didn't work out at Colorado State that well, but fans, sometimes you look at it and say, what the hell? This guy just got fired. Like, why in the hell are we hiring this bum? I've heard it's, you know, it's Will Muschamp's buddy. That's why he's hiring him. But when he left Georgia, Shane, Georgia's number one scoring offense in the SEC, number, I believe it was nine nationally. Georgia was in the top five scoring the last five years he was at Georgia. And this is a guy that, uh, you know, had Aaron, Aaron Murray and, you know, all those stud running backs. He had a lot of talent to work with, but he got the most out of it too, you know. I mean, yeah. this is a guy that was very successful in the SEC, played at Georgia. He's a hell of a recruiter too. I mean, that's another added bonus you're getting there. And if you're South Carolina, if you're potentially sitting here with a head coach that could be fired in a year if they if he doesn't have a good year, it makes it very very difficult to 
to bring in a elite offensive coordinator. And I think, you know, Bobo, I don't think he's like the, the nation's number one offensive coordinator or anything, but I think he's going to be already in the top half of offensive coordinators in the SEC just day one. Yeah. And cons- all things considering, and he has knowledge of coaching quarterbacks. He does a really good job coaching quarterbacks. That's what they desperately need there in Columbia. Thoughts on this hire if it's made, Shane, and uh, do you agree or, or do you not like this one? Home run hire, Mike, if they can make it happen. But the fact that it hasn't worries me a little bit too, you know, mm-hmm. because how committed are they to Muschamp? You know, if if you if you commit a lot of money to this staff underneath Muschamp, that's still money you're going to have to pay if something goes wrong. And that's something we kept hearing about all season <laughs> is they just can't afford to fire him. So I think, you know, honestly – Georgia would be crazy not to get back involved with Mike Bobo. And right. I, you know, I don't know if, if that can happen or, you know, how many, you know, bridges he burned on his way out. But man, like you said, this offense that was humming when he was down there, he's a hell of a recruiter. And you're seeing what Georgia's offense looked like this year without Cheney. I, I don't know. It, that's that's the one I'm keeping my eyes on because maybe he's using South Carolina to get in somewhere else too. So um, Georgia's going to make some big moves in the offseason. Don't don't think that they're not paying attention to this situation. And if they want Mike, I think he lands in Georgia than he does South Carolina. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Shane. Will Muschamp better get his ass in that boardroom and get them to sign <laughs> off on they better, this. They better do it now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right shane uh last thing here we got some bowl games to talk about here yeah sec there's some shenanigans here with a couple of these teams we'll get to that in just a moment here but we'll start at the playoffs of course lsu number one in the nation ranked by the college football playoff committee they're gonna face number four oklahoma shane in atlanta the peach bowl december 28th i mean that's uh i think i love it that's a great matchup there for lsu Oklahoma can't they can't stop Dan Baylor. They're not going to be able to stop Joe Burrow and company. But no. look at it this way, Shane. LSU just played in this stadium in Atlanta. Do you know where the national championship game is this year, my friend? Atlanta? New Orleans, brother. So <laughs> how perfect is this set up right now for LSU going back to the same building you just played in? Now, after that, short trip up to New Orleans for the national championship game if they beat Oklahoma. And at another way to look at it, they don't have to face Ohio State and Clemson. They only have to face one of them. Exactly. I mean, it just it just sets up perfectly for the Tigers. I love it, Mike. I absolutely love it. And you're right. If Baylor's third-string quarterback can move the ball <laughs> against the um, – I mean, they, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be absolutely ugly, and I can't wait for it. All right, let's kick it down to the New Year's Six game, Shane. The Orange Bowl, Florida versus Virginia. I didn't mm. even Virginia. I think uh, I didn't even. I don't even think they're ranked at this time. December thirtieth. Thoughts on that matchup? I mean, I would think that Florida's just going to wreck the hell out of uh, Virginia here. But uh, uh, good to see the Gators getting some respect here in the New Year's Six. I just wish that. Like I said, Florida, I think they're ranked like number seven or eight or something like that, and they're playing a team yeah. that's not ranked. I, I don't really – I don't like to see this. I'd like to see them face another 
top 10 team. I mean, this is supposed to be a New Year's Six. Let's get let's get with it here. I mean, this is yeah. going to be a damn exhibition game. Absolutely. I'm with you on that one, Mike. And, and you know, when you see a gap like this, how, how many of Florida players sit out, you know, or I just, I don't know. This is... This has got the makings for an ugly, ugly ball game because uh, Florida is going to kill them. Mm-hmm. And we, they've already got one player, Shane. I should have mentioned that C.J. Henderson, uh, the outstanding cornerback. He has announced he's going pro early. He's going to skip the bowl game, and at this point, he's the only Gator that has made that announcement. And I, I believe they started practice today. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could be mistaken, but I think it started already. But uh, I may skip this one too, Mike. You know. <laughs> The Sugar Bowl, Shane, in New Orleans, Georgia, and Baylor, January 1st, New Year's Day. We just talked up Baylor. I thought, uh, you know, I haven't watched a ton of Baylor, but I got to watch them here on Saturday against Oklahoma. I know they were down to several quarterbacks. I thought they looked looked pretty solid, I thought. This could be a good game here. Baylor had a chance to win this, man. They had a chance to play LSU and... But uh, if I tell you, if, if everybody comes out and participates in this ball game, this one could be a pretty good ball game because yeah, they've got an aggressive defense too. This could, this could a fiery bunch these two. So, uh, but like I said, you know, last year we had Georgia doing the same thing, ducking out, and and I don't know how many of the players are going to be there. But but if they do, I think this could be a fantastic matchup. All right, Shane, the Citrus Bowl down in Orlando. Alabama versus Michigan, New Year's Day. Oh, it's pretty. I, uh, I don't think we've, you know, obviously Alabama's always been in the playoffs since it's been out. So this is the first time not in the playoff, not a New Year's Six. This is just kind of weird, but I like the, uh, you know, traditional teams here Alabama, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh versus Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this has got my interest right here. Absolutely. I can't wait to see those khakis in action, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to be bad too because Alabama's going to put a whooping on him. December 27th, the Texas Bowl down in Houston. Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State. Jimbo versus the Mullet. Mm. This could be a nice little matchup here. This could be a high scoring game. And uh, this is one you got to think the Aggies are going to have the home field advantage. Texas A&M playing in the Texas Bowl. But uh, like we kind of hit on. Coming off that uh, LSU shellacking, Shane, Jimbo Fisher's got to win this game to kind of steer the the momentum going in the offseason, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. And I think if anything, too, these these extra practices that, that folks are gaining, I think this is going to help a university like Texas the most. And uh, I think take advantage of it. Those young kids will be ready to go. All right, Shane, the Music City Bowl, Mississippi State versus Louisville. December 30th in Nashville. Now, this was a little tricky one, Shane, because everyone, the word leaked, it was Tennessee versus Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> then all of a sudden, uh, it's Mississippi State. But I think that's, uh, you know, this is a destination that the Bulldogs and their fans are going to love. I think it's an opponent that uh, really matches up well for Mississippi State. We just saw Louisville just get trampled by Kentucky on the ground game. What's Mississippi State do well? They run the ball. So, uh, just looking at it uh, at like that, we'll, you know, we'll break down all these matchups more in depth as time goes by here. But I think if I'm Mississippi State, this is another one where I'm looking at it. This is another chance to gain some serious momentum. If they win this one, I think they'll have won four of their last five. And that's a hell of a way to go in the offseason 
you know, just about a month ago, people were out on Joe Moorhead. They might uh, quickly jump back on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State been known to recruit up in that way too. So I think it's a good good spot for them. Uh, I was kind of hoping that Tennessee would have been there. Definitely would have made traveling a little easier. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm all for this game. I think uh, Mississippi State's going to go out on top. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, the, I don't know if you heard this, the final Belk Bowl of all time. This is the last one. They're losing their sponsorship. So <laughs> this will be a special one here in Charlotte. It's Kentucky versus Virginia Tech, Shane, in Charlotte here mm-hmm. on December 31st. Thoughts on that matchup? Man, they've had Michael Vick. They've had Marcus Vick. Now they're going to have Lynn running all over. They're going <laughs> to have a flashback this week, buddy. So I'm looking forward to this one. That would be a great game. All right, Shane, here Auburn in the Outback Bowl going to play Minnesota, Shane. How about that one here on January 1st? There's been a lot of hype over these gophers, but uh, if Auburn plays their game, I think Auburn's just going to rip them a new one, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Show them a little bit of that ACC defense. <laughs> <laughs> Last one here, Shane, the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. Your boys, Tennessee, finally back in the postseason here. Yes. Playing against Indiana. January 2nd. Thoughts on this one, Shane? Indiana, I mean, I think if you're Tennessee, you know, there are probably some more attractive bowl opponents, but if you're looking at a team you probably match up well with here, got a chance to get some more momentum going into the offseason, I think Tennessee-Indiana, I think that's a good matchup for the Vols. Yeah, I really don't know much about Indiana. I was actually surprised they even made a bowl game this year, so I'm looking forward to playing them, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Was it? Is that the Hoosiers? Yes, sir. The uh, the Bobby Gene Knights. Hackman going to be on the sideline there? <laughs> huh? They going to be throwing chairs on the on the field? Am I going to have to worry about this? <laughs> well, Shay, that's all I got on this one. We went a little bit long. Uh, you got anything before we hop off here? Hell no, man. I'm exhausted. What a what a great SEC championship for about thirty seconds. You know. <laughs> I mean, it really was. It was. It was exciting. I was so pumped up all day for this game. I, you know, you watch that. But I even watched the Baylor Oklahoma game, and I was just like, man, it's gonna be tight all day long. And then, man, I tell you, we got we got to see greatness. Um, you know, Georgia Georgia stumbled. Georgia took a step back, and you know, yeah, they were banged up. And I'm not gonna blame any of the players. I am gonna say this though. Um, they they've got a bright future ahead of them they just gotta get i think a good coordinator and uh they'll be right back on track now as far as lsu again soak it up um that they're they're on a a run we may never see again man in our lifetime it's just that impressive right now uh i'm excited about these bowl games you know i hate that a lot of kids are going to start sitting out but you know, this is worth the tail end, boys and girls. And uh, it's December, and shit, football's almost over, Mike. And I can feel it, and it hurts me, crushes myself. We don't even have coach search, you know. It's like they, they done wrapped it up this week, so <laughs> we've got nothing going on. So just I love football. Enjoy these next few weeks, man. Well, that's a hell of a way to tease people to keep listening, Shane. But, uh, you know, there's going to be plenty of action here. There's going to be assistant, assistant movement. There's going to be recruiting. Oh, yeah. There, there'll be stuff to talk about. But uh, Oh, oh, we're going to find stuff to talk about, Mike. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry, I get a little emotional when I get drunk, Mike. You know? That's all right, buddy. It's uh, 
that's why we love it. So that's all we got on this one, Shane. Uh, Thanks for joining me. As always, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. Indiana, who? (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.